0: Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Soterios Johnson. Join me and we'll explore a few of the people, places, and activities that make California one of the world's great travel destinations. Today, a look at Butte County. Our hearts go out to those affected by the Camp Fire, which exacted a brutal toll on Paradise, California and several surrounding towns. In the wake of this tragedy, the community has shown tremendous resilience and are encouraging people to visit and help you County recover.
1: It's really important for people to realize that these places, they are resilient and they have a lot to offer as they do recover from wildfire. And part of that is just watching a landscape heal itself and letting that kind of healing influence your own healing.
0: And we'll get a quick tour of Temecula, an inland empire town that has plenty to offer, Plus an insider's guide to San Diego. There's yoga. Yoga on the beach. You can do hip-hop yoga. You can do
2: glow-in-the-dark yoga. People get a little bit, not gimmicky, but they have to get creative in order to compete. And we love it.
0: (laughs) Don't worry. There's also food and wine and culture. It's all coming up on California Now. Butte County comprises over 1,500 square miles of Northern California, It was severely affected by the deadly campfire that caused so much suffering and destruction in the fall of 2018, but it's also a place of great natural beauty, and the return of tourism to Butte County will be an essential part of its recovery. My guest, Tracy Salcido, has written 25 Falcon guides covering all kinds of outdoor activities from easy day hikes in Fresno to a guide to California's missions and presidios. Welcome to the California Now podcast, Tracy. Thank you. Good to be here. So Falcon Guides call themselves a guide to human powered activities. But before we go into the wild, let's start our visit with the city of Chico, the kind of the urban center of Butte County.
1: Okay. Well, Chico is the home to Chico State University, which is part of the California State University system. As a college town, it's got everything you might expect that young students and their parents would enjoy. Everything from coffee houses and walking trails and bike paths to uh, brewing companies like Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, um, and also that access to all kinds of outdoor recreation.
0: I mean, it's, it sounds like even before you leave the city of Chico, you can actually even get some outdoor activities in as well.
1: Yeah, there's a an urban park there called Bidwell Park. Um, it was established back in the early 20th centuries, and there, there's more than 3,000 acres preserved in that park. You can do everything from hike and swim to go picnicking, mountain biking. Um, there's golf. It's it's really a lovely place to visit.
0: You mentioned Chico being the home of Sierra Nevada. Of course, Sierra Nevada is that pioneering craft brewery that that really helped to shape the tastes of thousands and thousands of beer drinkers across the country, maybe even around the world. I mean, that's pretty impressive that that they are based there.
1: Yeah, it is. So Sierra Nevada Brewing Company has been around for a long time. Um, they've been community minded as long as they've been brewing good beer. Um, they're supporters of North State Public Radio. Um, and they're a fixture in the area. And one of the things they're doing is they're brewing a special IPA. It's called Resilience, Butte County Proud. And everything, all the proceeds from that will go towards recovery efforts for fire victims in the area. I should say fire survivors. We're fire survivors in these fire and affected areas.
0: Right, right. And, and Ken Grossman, the founder of Sierra Nevada, has been a longtime kind of supporter of community activities and community in general.
1: Correct. I live in a fire zone, and so I support in any way I possibly can. Every little bit helps. So I know how important that is.
0: Let's talk a little bit about how wildfires have affected Butte County. I mean, tourism is an important part of the economy of Butte County, and visitors can be a vital part of the recovery, right?
1: That's correct. So um, where I'm based is a little town called Glen Ellen, and we were heavily affected by the North Bay wine country wildfires. And it was kind of a, an interesting juxtaposition of, you know, what's good tourism, tourism that you want to see that's going to support the community and and allowing enough space for people to actually do the recovery that they need to do. But it's really important for people to realize that, These places, um, they are resilient, and they do come back, and they have a lot to offer as they do recover from wildfire. Um, And part of that is just watching a landscape heal itself and, you know, letting that kind of healing influence your own healing as you're going through it.
0: Let's talk about some of your favorite outdoor attractions in Butte County, starting with, say, the Feather River.
1: Well, yeah. Um, the Feather River runs through it, and it's spectacular. There are many, many sites along the Feather that you can go, and, and you can do birding, you can do hiking, um, swimming, swimming holes, things like that. One of the things that I think about, and I actually did go online and check it, um, and I believe it's open. It's called Feather Falls, and it's a 400-foot waterfall that falls into Lake Oroville. It's outside of the town of Oroville, which is another pretty large uh, community in Butte County. Um, It's a nine-mile loop. It's a beautiful trail, one of the most lovely, um, well-built trails that I've walked on. Um, Another place that is spectacular is North Table Mountain Ecological Reserve. Um, There's a 2.5-mile hike to a place called Hollow Falls up there. But what's even more spectacular, it's a it's a mesa top that overlooks the northern Sacramento Valley, and it's known for its super bloom. So when northern California gets a really great uh, rainfall, winter, the mesa top blooms. I do not know whether it burned or not, but if it did, I would expect that bloom would be even more spectacular after the rains that we're getting now. Um, that's certainly what happened here in Sonoma, though. The wildflower blooms after the fires that that following spring were amazing.
0: So we're talking about uh, wh- what months are we talking about here? March, April for a bloom? April, May, maybe into early June,
1: but certainly the month of May, late April and, and May. OK. And, and and where do we go next? Well, we're going to head north from Chico and we're going to head up Highway 32 Um, Which follows Deer Creek. And Deer Creek is one of the major drainages in that region. Um, And there are trails along there that lead along the creek, number one, but also to waterfalls along the creek. So as you're driving north from Chico toward Lassen Volcanic National Park, you can pull over uh, by the side of the road place called Lower Deer Creek. There's a trailhead there. And wander on down the creek to a beautiful series of cascades. You can wander down to the river. There is a place called, I believe it's called Big Maple, where there's a pool and you can hang out by the pool under a big maple and have your lunch Hmm. there before you come on back.
0: Sounds great. Where next?
1: Where next? Well, let's go to Gray Lodge. Gray Lodge is a wildlife area that's on the border of Sutter County and Butte County, kind of in the south part of the of the area. And it's a spectacular birding site. It has a driving and walking trails. Um, and one of the trails has blinds on it that overlook ponds. And in those ponds, you're going to see every possible kind of bird that you could imagine. Um, there was one time I was walking there, and I walked out on a boardwalk, and I was trying to sneak up because the whole pond was covered with ducks and sandhill cranes and <laughs> swans, and I just wasn't quiet enough. And the next thing I knew, these waves of birds were were coming up oh, over wow. this. Oh, it was. <laughs> Unbelievable. The the number (laughs) of birds. It was was great. It was so thrilling. That sounds amazing. And it's really close to the Sutter Buttes, which is actually in Sutter County, a little bit south. But that little volcanic range um, is iconic in that area and is also well worth exploring.
0: Are, Are there opportunities to learn about the Native American history of the area?
1: There are, um, in the Sutter Buttes, uh, which is actually a a private property, there's an organization called Middle Mountain Interpretive Hikes, and they offer guided hikes in that Sutter Butte range. And these hikes take place between October and May, and there are various themes and ranges of difficulty, but one of them is uh, a sacred way, and it's led by a Native American, and he will... It's an incredible experience to walk with him or and explore the Sutter buttes off trail and go to mm. places that you might well you wouldn't see because you wouldn't know they were there, grandmother trees right. and um you know old fences, old stonework fences and he talks a lot about what that particular mountain range that volcanic range means to the local Maidu as well as. Um, just the broader uh, awareness of the fact that there were people here before we were, and they walked in the same places that we walk. It's great to look at the landscape through his eyes, understand what it what an acorn means to to the landscape and to the people. What an oak means.
0: That sounds amazing. You mentioned a grandmother tree. What what's a grandmother tree?
1: A grandmother tree is uh, you can find them kind of all over the place, but they're really really old trees. So. In the Sutter Buttes and uh, in any forest, there are trees that have been around long enough that you can just feel their weight. One of the things that uh, the fellow that I hiked with pointed out was there's a tree where the grandmother's limbs have reached out and they, she's old enough and she's been around long enough that now she reaches down and she touches the ground. So you walk kind of into the arch under under her arms, as it were. And mm, right. you know, it, it, it's a pretty profound experience to stand next to something that old and that grand. Yeah. They seem wise.
0: And to be able to visit that area with an, a Native American guide who knows the history, you know, going back hundreds and hundreds of years, I mean, that's just, I mean, you can't top that.
1: No, you really can't. Um, at the end of the hike, he had us all sit quietly and... There's, you know, most people are kind of impatient, right? <laughs> and he pushed us to sit longer, and it was really an incredible experience to just be there and be quiet. And um, he didn't even say anything. He he was so comfortable where he was and doing what he was. It was a great lesson for us.
0: I'm sure, absolutely. <laughs> in this cell phone era that we live in, right?
1: <laughs> right. You know. Okay, is the hike over yet? We got to get back because you know I got I got to answer my email. <laughs>
0: All right. Thanks so much, Tracy. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Pleasure was mine. Tracy Salcido has written dozens of books covering all kinds of human-powered activity. She'll join us again to help us get outside and enjoy the natural wonders of California. Remember, you'll always find links to the people and places we mention on our website. Visit california.com slash podcast. Coming up, a SoCal native provides an insider's guide to San Diego. But first, we'll learn a bit about the area in and around Temecula, a hub of the Inland Empire that's in close proximity to Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego. You're listening to California Now. Today, we welcome back Tom Curry, co-founder of the Temecula Olive Oil Company. Tom launched this business back in 2001, long before California was churning out in excess of 4 million gallons of olive oil every year. Tom has watched the town of Temecula grow and evolve over the last 17 years. And in today's lightning round, we're going to ask him to share some of his favorite things to do in this Inland Empire hub. Welcome back to the podcast, Tom. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So, you know, we don't mess around with these lightning rounds. It's all business. We're looking for recommendations, pure and simple, with maybe a bit of color commentary uh, to help contextualize your answers. Uh, The listeners leaning in right now are in trip planning mode, and they are counting on you. So can you handle the responsibility?
3: (laughs) Uh, I will do my best.
0: I'm sure you'll do great. All right, let's hop to it. Today, we want you to share five essential activities for visitors coming to Temecula and no fair listing your own place of business. Uh, Talk about your neighbors (laughs) instead. Okay, we'll start with number five and work our way to number one. So let's go.
3: Well, I, I would say it's hard to rank them in order, but I would say... No trip is complete. You have to go to Old Town Temecula. Um, that Old Town setting is is truly realistic with great shops, great restaurants, uh, lots of fun things to do. Temecula was uh, really a, a cattle town until the mid-1960s with all the, the cattle ranches around the town driving cattle into the railroad in Old Town Temecula. And so it's got a lot of authenticity. It's grown up very nicely. The the city council's done a great job of helping with development there's a good mix of new and old great restaurants, great shops whether you're looking for uh, fresh lavender that's grown in the area or uh, spices. the spice shop is fantastic um, Some of the restaurants the goat and vine restaurant with their just incredible pizza um, you can also go to eat marketplace uh, especially my daughter's a vegan she loves eat marketplace they have great vegan um, options and the nice thing about Temecula is because of our climate and with, with all of the agriculture around, all these restaurants just have a plethora of great options, uh, very fresh vegetables, fruits, all kinds of things grown right in the area. So the local fare is just fantastic.
0: That sounds spectacular. Um, after that, where would you go?
3: I, I do like Pachanga. It's, it's a world-class uh, hotel, five-diamond hotel. Um, they have everything to offer there. If you're into gaming, of course, it's probably some of the best gaming in the United States. But in addition to that, they have fantastic restaurants. If I'm going for steak, I always like to go to the great Oak steakhouse there. It's, it's a really, really high quality steak in a great atmosphere. But there's no better golfing in Southern California than the Journey Golf Course there. It's, it's gorgeous. You have to do it if you're a golfer. So that's a must do as well. What about number three? Along with the the cattle ranching goes uh, equestrian and horseback riding. So horseback riding is kind of an essential here in Temecula. You can't go anywhere without seeing horse ranches and just uh, people riding horses. So you have to do some kind of horseback riding. It's really nice because you can also combine that with wine tasting. Uh, There's a company, uh, Wine Country Trails by Horseback, that can set you up with a a nice... uh, trail to, to go not only see the beautiful scenery, but also taste some beautiful wine.
0: What about those of us who aren't equestrians? Uh, if we want to hit a winery or two, let's make that number two. What's that? What what are some uh, options there?
3: Temecula is Southern California's wine area. So that that's what a lot of people come here for. And there's so many great options. I because it's becoming more and more popular, I, I like to go off the beaten path. The, the De Portola Wine Trail is, is really nice. There's a lot of nice wineries on the De Portola Wine Trail. Um, one of my favorites is Leoness. Not only do they make some world-class wines, uh, in particular, I like the, the Zinfandel uh, that comes from the Deegan Vineyard. They have a great restaurant, too, so that's a good stop for lunch or for dinner. Making your way through to some of the smaller wineries, too, would be uh, Palumbo Winery. It's a family-run winery, very small, but some of the highest quality wines in California. They make some some great uh, whites, uh, great Viognier, and the Tre Fatelli Meritage is to die for. They make a great Meritage there. And you have to stop by the Hart Winery. It's it's a classic. Uh, Joe Hart's one of the The pioneers of the wine industry here in Southern California are still going strong. It's a very authentic experience, and their wines are all fantastic. But in the summertime, I I really love their rosés, just a well-made, very well-structured wine. So those would be three, but you can't make a bad choice. It's a great time to go out and just taste the wines here in Temecula.
0: All right, these are all great recommendations, uh, but I hope you've left something special for the big finish, did you?
3: Well, you have to go on a balloon ride. Uh, (laughs) Early in the morning, sunrise, going up in a balloon over the vineyards and the mountains, it's just spectacular. Um, I'm afraid of heights, and the first time I did it, I was just amazed at, at just how free you feel up there. It's just fantastic, and the views are spectacular. So you, you have to, have to, have to do that when you're here in the wine country. Um, so it's early in the morning, so you always want to make sure you're, you're leaving enough time. You're going to stay overnight. There's some great accommodations in Temecula, so it's more than just a, a day trip. You stay over and make sure that you make that balloon flight. I, I love flying with the California Dreamin' people. Not only do they have great balloons, but they also have a nice winery, so you make sure you get a glass or two of wine after that early morning flight. <laughs> Or maybe before. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe.
0: (laughs) That's great. Job well done, Tom. Job well done.
3: Well, thank you for the opportunity.
0: Tom Curry is co-owner of Temecula Olive Oil Company, a Temecula institution since 2001. You can also sample their extra virgin olive oil in San Diego, Solana Beach, Laguna Beach, and Seal Beach. As always, you'll find links to everything we discussed today at our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Since 1948, Southern Californians have turned to San Diego Magazine to keep abreast of developments in California's second largest city. And my next guest is the editor-in-chief of that publishing institution, Erin Glennie. Welcome to the California Now podcast, Erin. Thank
2: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Well, you know, San Diego has some globally famous attractions. Balboa Park, uh, the fabulous San Diego Zoo, and SeaWorld San Diego. But there is so much more to enjoy and it's constantly changing. So we're hoping that you'll provide an insider's take to the city.
2: All right. Let's do it.
0: All right. You know, everybody knows that San Diego has, you know, amazing beaches, great weather, world-class craft beer, et cetera. But fitness and wellness are also a huge part of the culture, correct?
2: It's very much, you know, instead of meeting a friend for cocktails, you might say, let's go to a yoga class. Let's go try that spin class. And it's just a way to be social. But, you know, you're not, adding more calories. And it's kind of like a lot of people are very good about keeping each other accountable and Hmm. motivating each other. And I mean, it's a social, it's built into our social fabric. Um, We're kind of a morning city. People are (laughs) up in the morning and they're running on the beach and they're Bicycling. Um, cycling is huge here. It's just something that you do. It's a social thing. And there's a ton of like yoga in a brewery and yoga and wine. So it's like then the the studios themselves tried to compete with, you know, making it social beyond the actual fitness class they have to get more creative with like, okay, it's Pilates, but then we do a spin class after, or you can do yoga with your (laughs) bunny. You can do yoga with a goat. You can (laughs) do animals and yoga is huge. (laughs) There's a guy called Nama Steve, and he does yoga on the beach. And there's just so many ways that you can like do, you can do hip hop yoga. You can do glow in the dark yoga. I mean, it's like, there's just so many people get a little bit not gimmicky, but they have to get creative in order to compete, and we love it.
0: <laughs> That's yeah, no, it sounds amazing. You know, when I think of San Diego, the first thing that comes to mind is the beaches. For me, mm-hmm. I mean, is that fair? I mean, what makes what makes San Diego County beaches special in your mind? Is is there a beach or two that stands out for you?
2: I love La Jolla Shores. It's very long. The waves are very small. If you're a beginner. The thing is, for me, the beaches, and another thing I didn't appreciate growing up, but I've been to Hawaii, I've been to the eastern seaboard, St. Martin, Italy, Greece, all of those beaches, Mexico, a tonne. None of the beaches compare to San Diego. Every time I'm on vacation and paying a lot of money to sit there, I'm like, I actually prefer the beach at home. (laughs) Our sand is very fine and soft. There's not like a lot of the rocks and like weird grass and dunes. And like you just get into the water and our waves have such good form because the ocean floor, this is like so geeky, but you kind of have to know this stuff growing up. It goes up gradually to the beach so that the waves kind of they break so nicely, like they form so well that if you're a beginner and you want to try surfing or body surfing or bodyboarding, you can get you, you can get up.
0: So is it realistic for somebody who's never been on a surfboard to you know come to San Diego and take a lesson and, you know, realistically feel like they will be able to stand up on a board and actually kind of surf a little bit?
2: Yes, I think if you take an hour lesson, you will stand. And even if it's just for two seconds, you'll get the, you'll totally get the stoke, as they say, the joy. Um, <laughs> you can also just bodyboard or body surf, but you have to try surfing. They'll give you a board that's big enough, like 10 feet or 11 feet. And it's like, if you can stand on a pier, you can stand on a board.
0: Yeah, San Diego is is really holding its own as a world-class food and dining destination and so you being our insider what developments are most notable to you
2: we really haven't been a food town for 240 years and just in the last decade we've been attracting a lot more talent there's been a lot more competition and these little areas are really developing and we've gotten some really good chefs um little italy north park um, trust in hillcrest is stunning it's so so amazing Um, urban wood in little Italy. I love that place. I think that, you know, but I would still go back to the basics. If you've never had a California burrito, if you've never had a fish taco, if you haven't had carne asada fries, I would do that. And that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Um, you can get a burrito for, you know, eight bucks. And it's one of my favorite things.
0: For, for those of us who are not familiar with this, like, uh, San Diego, delicacy. Describe to me what is a California burrito?
2: It's got carne asada, which is steak. And then it has French fries in the burrito, which I never thought was weird. But people are like, you put fries in your burrito? (laughs) And then it has other things you can, you know, have guacamole or sour cream or cheese, you know, and people get really picky and they leave out this or that, or they're on a diet, like, give me the fries and steak, but leave out the sour cream. (laughs) Um, But just, it's just, you know, it's like, steak and steak frites you know basically but rolled up in a warm tortilla it is so good and then of course the fish taco we got that from mexico but we claim that is you know we invented it here ralph rubio he has the rubio's chain um he was on spring break in san felipe and he brought back this recipe basically and i also thought fish tacos duh but when i lived in new york city i could not find a fish taco and i was just like going into the shakes
0: so what makes a great fish taco
2: the fish it's like mahi mahi or whatever they have and it can be if it's it can be grilled which is more healthy or fried and which is what they call baja style and it's got this sort of like crunch and then you've got the shredded cabbage and this sort of like chipotle crema sauce it's sort of pinkish and then you can spray some lime juice on there. And I don't know why, but the combination, it's just like really, really good.
0: And what about something to drink? I know that Carl Strauss, uh, Stone and Ballast Point helped to put San Diego beer on the map. Is there—is there a next generation of San Diego brewers that we need to know about?
2: There are some really good ones. There's one called Epig with a G-E-P-P-I-G. They're smaller, they're really good, but they also have a tasting room now on the bay, and there's very few, there's like no other tasting room actually on the water. Um, Hmm. Fall brewing is good, Coronado brewing. But you're right, Carl Strauss was really the first of the craft beer movement, and they're still awesome. I love a good red trolley. And we kind of think maybe the next thing is cider, because Mm. there's this place called Bivouac Cider Works, and they cook a lot with this cider, so the menu is really good, but it's made with cider and it's all gluten free and for some people, that's really, really important. So that and also distilleries are getting pretty huge too
0: So something to look forward to cider might be the next big thing in the area. you talked about distilleries. so what are people what are people making at the distilleries? Are we talking like uh, tequila or rum or or scotch what what is it? What are the trends?
2: um a lot of vodka, rum. Tequila and mez- like tequila and mezcal are pretty cool and popular. And um, there's a place called Tahona in Old Town. They're kind of like bringing back the coolness to Old Town. But yeah, I mean mezcal is huge. But we, the people who make stuff here, are more like vodka and rum and gin. Um, Cutwater Spirits they came out of Ballast Point. And they have a really cool tour and like you can see all the cans and you have this like Laverne and Shirley moment. <laughs> and the food there is really, really good.
0: You know, there, there are all kinds of ways to experience a place as diverse as San Diego. Mm-hmm. Do you have any insider tips for folks traveling with children?
2: There's a really good museum. It's called the New Children's Museum. And it's actually, it's got a good reputation around the country. We just got a, a new executive director. And they commission all these artists and they have these really cool exhibits. Like there's one with like 70 mattresses. And it's just this idea that you're allowed to just like jump on the bed and like bounce off the walls. <laughs> and they have just, there are cool art installations, but there are things that you can do. So that's the new Children's Museum. And that is downtown. And then the Birch Aquarium at Scripps is—we it's called the Scripps Institution of Oceanography up in La Jolla, and it's this really beautiful aquarium, and it's pretty reasonably priced. It's like less than twenty dollars for to get in, and um, right on the ocean. It is so beautiful. After the aquarium, there's you know a patio with live music and people that want you to touch a sea hare or a sea slug, you know, and. Um, but, yeah, the zoo, I mean, like, I feel like if you come, you have to go to the zoo.
0: Well, I mean, the zoo is great, right?
2: It's it's pretty phenomenal. And then you're right in Balboa Park and there's a ton of, you know, if your kid is like a train nerd, there's like a railroad museum and there's a history center and there's a, a space museum and uh, Ruben H. Fleet Science Center. I mean, there's just like a million museums in this park. So it just depends on what you want to emphasize, I guess. <laughs> My kids are yeah. one in three, so I don't, <laughs> we're still like working around a nap
0: schedule. Right. Exactly. Right.
2: But I mean, you take them to the beach and if, even if they play in the sand for 30 minutes, they will be so tired and take a nap. Like it's the best workout for kids. Even if they don't get in the water, they're just like, there's something about the sun and walking through a little bit of sand, they will take a nap afterwards. Guaranteed.
0: And then the parents can take a break, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, we could go on and on and on. But do you, as, you know, our San Diego born and bred native, Hmm. have any final thoughts or tips for kind of like the insider's visit to San Diego?
2: For the most part, just try to slow down and like enjoy the beach and or a trail I mean, that's kind of our way of life is like I'm going to take a stroll through the park and then I'm going to, I don't know, take a yoga class in the park. It doesn't sound super flashy, but it's more in tune with the way that locals live their life. And if you want to see how it is being a local, really try and soak up the nature. I mean, if you if you go to the beach every single day, I think that's a success. (laughs) And um we also have some really beautiful, like, meditation gardens. You know, if you if you just spend even half a day doing something that is outdoorsy, if you take a surf lesson, you, you can say that you really took advantage of our way of
0: life. Well, you know, you are so proud of your city, and rightly so. Aaron Glennie. Thanks so much for joining us. There is so much to talk about when it comes to San Diego. I hope you'll come back again onto the podcast.
2: Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I would love it.
0: Absolutely. Erin Glennie is the editor-in-chief of San Diego Magazine. You're listening to the California Now podcast. I'm Soterios Johnson. Thank you for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe and you can learn more about California and plan your next visit at visitcalifornia.com podcast. That's where you'll find our podcast and much more information. We'll provide links to everyone and every place that you learn about here on the California Now podcast. That's visitcalifornia.com. In today's conversation with Tracy Salcido, we mentioned the devastation caused by the Camp Fire. It was the deadliest fire in California history, and the recovery process in Butte County is already underway. If you're looking for a way to help, please consider visiting. The money you spend there on restaurants, hotels, attractions, and more will go directly to these affected communities. And please consider making a donation. Visit California is working with the Red Cross to make sure your generous contributions get to the right people. Please visit visitcalifornia.com for more details. We hope to see you soon.